Salutations, listeners. Zivalis Vallejo. Baller Magulis. Nanu Nanu? Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. I didn't I didn't that say that. I didn't say Sivalis Vallejo. I mean, would you say Nanu Nanu or would you not say Nanu Nanu? I would I would say Nanu Nanu. In fact, most of the time I do say Nanu Nanu. You do. Yeah. I, I kinda fucked that up, but I'm I'm I think we're gonna leave this in. Yeah. yeah. This is kind of like a, a an interesting little Yeah. We'll do it live. Sorry, fuck it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. God damn it. <clears throat> I hope that nobody's listening to this prior to seeing the like explicit content warning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you for tuning in. This is Three Men in a Basement, and we are the Ultra Crepidarians. My name is Colin McLeod. Mark Alpierre. Action Jackson. Xmas the Lexon Jackson Waxon? Nope. Uh, different guy. <laughs> different guy. <laughs> you went, That's my alter ego. Yeah, he doesn't have that memory. In this podcast, we review movies and deliver to you, the listener, an average schmuck's opinion about hidden gems in the wide world of cinema. Uh, in this show, we try and target movies that are not total blockbuster smashes. We also try to target ones that are not so obscure that you couldn't get your hands on a copy even if you wanted to. Instead, we aim for that delightful sweet spot of movies right in the middle. Uh, ones that, in our experience, too few people have seen, uh, maybe people have heard of, but uh, haven't taken the step to go and track this thing down, hunt it down, trank it, and then saw off the proverbial rhinoceros horn that is this movie and consume it in ritualistic fashion. Wow. <laughs> Wow! It's weird that that's where your head went. That (laughs) was that was that was dark. Even for I don't I don't like approve of poaching, but like there there are movies out there that you got to hunt it down, you got to trank it, and you got to you got to saw off its horn. Just leave that carcass laying there. Yeah. Wow. Take only what you want. Okay, tell me you've not seen a movie that you have to trank and saw off its horn. That I that I have or that I have not. Not on the internet. This is not. Oh, okay. Well, that does narrow it down. Yeah. I like taking trophies from my favorite movies. Like uh, thumbs or fingers? Or antlers, hooves. Toes. The occasional belly button. Mortons. Mm. Oh, take those Morton toes. Mm. Uh, right. Thanks, Tyson. <laughs> he's coming for us. Goddamn, he's coming Michael. for us. Uh, yeah, so we, we watch these movies, and then we deliver to you our opinion about whether or not you need to track it down, drink it, saw off its horn, and uh, consume it. Or not. Or not. Yeah, so what what the fuck did we watch this week? Um, we watched a, a relatively darker feature, um, maybe even a dark city. Oh! Oh! Uh, title drop! Uh, title drop! Uh, we watched Dark City. We did. I, uh, I got some thoughts. Maybe we can talk about it. Okay, so, should we start with cherries? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to... Sh- I'm going to shorten that fucking, <laughs> the audio before that so much. Uh, but we can do it through the magic of editing. Yes. Um, okay, so I've seen this movie twice, which is actually a little ironic because the content of this movie, uh, or sh- should I say, I've seen this movie twice and I am always amazed at how little I remember about this movie, which based on the content of this movie is like a little coincidental. You'll get that perhaps in the IMDb description. I haven't read it yet or in the spoilers section of this, but that's after there, the Buenpoise, right? There's, there's a, that's a slightly after the Buenpoise. Uh, there's a connection between memory loss and this movie. And it's amazing that I just can never remember what the fuck this movie is about or like elements of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I've seen this movie once in its entirety and then, I don't know, maybe collectively once more over 
like a long period of time, just kind of bits and pieces. You know, I I definitely enjoy this movie, and it certainly merits a rewatch. There are things about this movie that will make more sense as you watch it a second time and maybe even a third time. Uh, what about you, Mr. Waxen Flaxen? Uh, I've seen this movie a total of once, and it was tonight because I popped my cherry. Ah! <laughs> yeah, so I had never even heard of this movie before tonight, and honestly, those are some of my favorites. It's like, uh, oh mystery grab bag you know what's what's on the menu tonight i, I do love that i yeah. love i love it when you know i mean we sort of curated the list of movies for this podcast and i i do love that when somebody's like all right we should give this another rewatch and and you're flying blind oh not yeah. not you specifically but i love it when i'm flying blind well and i think that is a part of it too though is because i joined this podcast a little bit late so i was not there for the curation of the master list mm-hmm so there are quite a few that I'm very unfamiliar with. One might even say totally unfamiliar with. Kind of, kind of the opposite of me in, in some respects, because like this is this these movies are coming out of my collection. So right. I'm, I, you know, we talked about this in the past, but I'm like biased towards having seen most of them, mm-hmm. not all of them. You know, there are a few like I had never seen Jacob the Liar. It was in my collection, but I hadn't seen it. You know that kind of stuff. But I am definitely, unfortunately, or fortunately, in some ways, kind of biased towards uh, having seen most of these. But. Uh, Dark City, 1998 film. Yeah. Rated R. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. I think I would consider this a softer R. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, you know, I it definitely has the ingredients of an R movie, so I, I, I get it, but... It's it, rated it, R for a very specific reason, and that reason makes the rating valid. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like this movie could easily be edited for, for, for TV, you know, uh, <clears throat> in, in a way that really wouldn't cut anything out. Jackson, to your point, the thing that gives this movie its R rating is, in fact, two things. And half of the world has two of these things. And that is, that is, I think, truly what sort of drives the rating. Yeah. He's talking about a boob. Uh, uh, I'm a talking about... A pair of boobs. We've, we've established that they travel in pairs. Yes, packs. Now, packs. now this, this, <laughs> That's how they hunt. <laughs> this movie in particular is interesting in that... They didn't travel in packs for all of the appearances of said boobs. That's true. There That's were true. a total of three boobs. Couple, uh, there, there, was a, there was a lone hunter. Yep. A lone hunter, if you yep. will. A lone wolf. It was dark. Yeah, but we have no proof that there wasn't, uh, I don't know, a, a comrade boob. But we also waiting. have no proof that there bo- bo- was. Boob in accompaniment. Yeah, like yeah. it could have just been like waiting in the bushes. Like, really? You know, like I see, you know, you got my friend over there. You're looking at him. Oh, like like fucking Jurassic Park style, right? Yeah. Like you're, stalk, you're stalking the boob, and you see it, and then out of the bushes, the other boob comes from, you know, blindside you, yes. and you're like, clever girl! And it's, then the fucking, the boob just eats you. Comes out. It's yeah. like mice. It, it is? Yeah. Okay. If Look. you see one, you know there's more. Ah, okay, okay. That's it's, true. It's right. Okay, gotcha. Sometimes not true. Prove it. I... Got nothing. <laughs> oh, I thought that was his proof, and I was like, that's fascinated. <laughs> I was, I was riveted. I'm dialed in right, right now. Right. Uh, okay, so Dark City, Imdaba has this as fantasy, mystery, sci-fi, thriller. Thoughts? Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, I would lean stronger on the sci-fi, less on the fantasy. See, you know, it's funny that you say that. This is one of the few movies I would actually truly call a sci-fi fantasy i feel like there are a lot of movies that like they're like it's sci-fi fantasy it's like no it's sci-fi 
Mm-hmm. Or they, you know, sci-fi fantasy. It's like, no, it's fantasy. This is one of the the few that I think, in my opinion, is is like pretty 50-50. I mean, this... So while we were watching this, all I could think of was this seems like something that came out of H.P. Lovecraft's twisted brain. Um, it's very, uh, it's very Lovecraft. It's also very Geiger. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's got, it's got a lot of that aesthetic. Uh, okay, so there's nothing that's like missing or improper in the genres. I, I wouldn't say so. No. Yeah. Um, Mark, you felt like it was a little light on the fantasy, heavier on the sci-fi? Right. And and maybe that's more just in, like, the aesthetic of the movie. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I'll give you that. I'll give you that, yeah. But I, and sure. I, I think as we tease this apart after spoilers, I, I think I know... I think I've got an idea why you're you're resonating with 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 the fantasy. Okay. Uh, side I of will it. say to Mark's point, it definitely leans heavier on the sci-fi than it does the fantasy, but fantasy is definitely an aspect that I wouldn't be willing to let go of. So I would I would give it 50/50. It sounds like you guys would give it maybe like 70/30 or 80/20. Is that? Yeah, I might say 70/30, but at the same time like again, once we're past the the wehwehs, uh, I'll, I'll bring it up again because I, I've I've got a feeling I I know why perhaps you're you're leaning fantasy. Fair enough. Or at least you're you're weighting it higher than I am. Uh, hour and forty minutes. Honestly, and this is not an indictment of the quality of the movie. It felt longer. I totally agree. I think this yeah. movie this movie's pacing was. It, it may not have been off in its time. It may not have been off when it came out, but I think this movie dragged quite a bit. I yeah. think I honestly think this movie probably could have been like an hour and ten, yeah, <laughs> and a, an hour and fifteen maybe. But like the actual content, there's a of the lot movie. of fat to trim in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was intentional though. And again, I do, and I think you know that intentionality, right? Like maybe in the time and place it came out, maybe in 1998, watching this in the theater, it didn't feel like it dragged. 98. But as somebody who's been dealing with like a device in my pocket that holds the entirety of the world's knowledge and plugged into social media, my animal brain that says, do something, do something, was going like, well, and fucking, like, get to the point, guys. <laughs> Stop marinating. <laughs> and you watch movies like Lord of the Rings that are three hours, and you're riveted the entire time. You watch movies like Harry Potter, and you just can't put it down. Mm-hmm. But then there's other movies... Uh, like serendipity, where you're like, "Oh my God, just get to it!" <laughs> yeah, we yeah we got to get to spoilers because I've I've got retorts and, and, and thoughts and feelings that I that we can't really do. Yeah, no, I got I got you. No, no, you're right. You're right. Okay, so uh, plot summary. What do we got? A man struggles with memories of his past, which include a wife he cannot remember, and a nightmarish world no one else ever seems to wake up from. That's yeah. that's really cryptic. Yeah. I, I, I feel like you probably could give more away in the description without giving away, like, the movie, but at the same time... I it, get I get why they were trying they're trying to be withholding. I, it I understand lends it. Nothing to the actual plot of the movie other than the bare bones, like fishbone skeleton of the plot. Yeah, it, which is not like I don't know. Uh is there anything that you guys want would want to add that you feel truly is spoiler free? Mm. I don't I don't think so. I mean, there was some exposition in the beginning of the movie that I think coupled with that description would have given too much away. I, I honestly feel like this is 
the kind of movie that isn't truly ruined by, you know, yes, it is a mystery in many respects, but I feel like you could give a lot more away without ruining the mystery. But rolling with the IMDb description and sort of like some some reticence I'm picking up from you guys, I think I'm going to leave it where it lay, but just sort of note that I think they could give a a more detailed description without giving anything away. I'm going to give my description of the movie after spoilers. Fair enough. Just in case my description gives too much away. I don't feel that it does, but others might feel different. Yeah, that's that's fair. Okay, so would we recommend this movie? Oh, I'm sorry, shit. We got to talk about who's in it. Who the, yeah, fuck, dude. Who the fuck we got in this movie? We oh, we got lot lots of people, of people yeah. in this movie. So he didn't... Well, uh, so, supporting, I don't know, uh, main character was, was, was John. Rufus Sewell. Yeah. Um, so Rufus Sewell, uh, you, you might know, know him is... from A Knight's Tale. Yeah, he plays Count Adamar in A Knight's Tale. He's the bad guy. He's also in Tristan and he's old. He's been in a lot of oh, shit. Oh, Rufus Sewell's in a ton of shit. He's amazing. He's got this kind of, like, lazy eye, and you would definitely know him, and he, he kind of looks like he would be... He's, like, a little bit of an asshole, but, like, a handsome asshole. He looks and like, like a Bond villain. And he does, but, like, in the... He's like a Bond villain you'd want to fuck. Yeah. Like, he's like a Bond villain that you're just like, oh, you just... Like, I love that you're so bad. Yeah, you are just a... Oh, fuck you. Man, <clears throat> I'm looking at this guy's career. So we're just getting thirsty over here for Rufus Sewell. He's really been, been, you know, he's been regulated to, like, B-movies. Yeah. Not not B-movies, per se, but, like... No, but he is the kind of guy that, like, his body of work does not suggest his talent. Right. right. I mean, because he went from the movie Blinky Bill, the movie, (laughs) where he played Sir Claude to uh, Gods of Egypt. So, you know... I feel like... uh, it's, um, it's not going. It's not not going well. You know, there are a lot of other people that sort of have careers like that, right? Like I think Brendan Fraser and Cuba Gooding Jr. are good uh, exa- good examples yeah. of that, right? Like, yeah. you know, Brendan Fraser did like furry vengeance, and there's a lot of this shit in Hollywood that we don't understand as as mere mortals, where it's like, you know, I got locked into a contract and I got to do shit. Like I get that. Like I don't understand it, but I get it. You know, and like you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. did like Snow Dogs and shit. But then meanwhile, Brendan Fraser's in the fucking Mummy and Encino Man and fucking Cuba Gooding Jr.'s in Men of Honor. I would even and, I would even know, put like, Guy Pierce in that same category. Oh, you think? Okay. Yeah. So I mean, like Guy Pierce did some weird shit. He's done a lot of B movies, but he was also in Passion of the Christ and The Count of Monte Cristo. Mm. So like huge roles for what I would consider a B actor. I'm just saying, like, if I were to ever but get think, into the they're... Hollywood game, I'd only go A movies. I think <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Obviously. I yeah. know that. We know that about yeah, Absolutely. We know that. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not do, wasting my time. I would do all the D movies. No, mm. so you do the D. There's yeah. no doubt. Uh, <laughs> that's what the D, T, and A is. Pot, pot shots over here. Yeah. Um, no, but but to your point about like a B actor, I think like that's the thing though, right? Is there are A quality actors doing a lot of B movies, and then there are B actors. Yeah, and I think like you know Guy Ritchie, uh, Rufus Sewell. Brendan Fraser, Cuba Gooding Jr. These are examples of like, especially Brendan Fraser and Cuba Gooding Jr. Like they are a they are a list, but at the same time, like they do like an They're unreasonable not... amount of shitty movies. Yeah, um, they don't headline as often as as their name would suggest. They're not like fucking Leonardo DiCaprio, where it's like DiCaprio doesn't get involved in a project if it's not going to hit it out of the park. No. You know what I'm saying? Like everything that guy is in is magic, and he's a good friend of the podcast. Um, yeah. 
Right. As is Rufus Sewell. So, you know, yeah. we'll have him on. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, who else? Who else have we got? We got um, Donald talk, Sutherland's son. Tick, talk, tick, talk. Good old 24. Kiefer. Yeah, yeah. What was it? Uh, was it John Bauer? Yeah. Yeah, that's a 24 reference. Oh, you fucking lost. Yeah, the, 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 I've <laughs> never, never seen 24. Ticking clock? Oh, I've never so, seen 24. So 24 uh, has a ticking clock okay. on the screen for every episode. Every episode, okay. Yeah. And uh, that's that's part of their shtick. Okay. So. TikTok. All right. Yeah. yeah. TikTok. TikTok yeah. before TikTok was TikTok. Yep. TikTok. Uh, Kiefer Sullivan, yeah. Uh, love him. Oh, yeah. He's. I mean, like, his body work speaks for itself, but. Uh, Especially his body. Mm. <laughs> But you want some some choice, Kiefer Sutherland? What do we got? You, you know who who I? Well, you said twenty four. Twenty four. But yeah, the the one who I the like. The fugitive. Fucking what's his face from Three Musketeers? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Who, who did he play? Uh, There's Athos, Porthos, somebody else, and D'Artagnan. I think he was the somebody else. Was he the third one? <laughs> that's oh, a, I think that's what they called. We're them. all we're all hunting for a- it now. Athos, Porthos, and the third one. <laughs> and I think he is the third one. <laughs> But he was also in... Um, he's been so much. So, no, he's been so much. It's, like, fucking not even fair. A Time to Kill, probably one of my favorite Kiefer Sutherland roles. He plays uh, one of the asshole white supremacists. Uh, a Few Good Men, I mean... He, he does play Athos in uh, Three Masked He's Athos, okay. Yeah. Oh, and then, uh, of course, The Lost Boys. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Stand yeah. By Me. Fucking so, classic. a little bit of a sidebar here, but... Athos is Keith or Sutherland. Charlie Sheen yes. is Aramis. Yes. And then um, uh, Nathan Lane, right? No, no. Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt. Yeah, Oliver plays Platt. Plays Porthos. And Chris O'Donnell, yes. the Robin to Robin. our Batman, <laughs> plays D'Artagnan. To, to our Batman? Who's us? <laughs> well, okay, the Robin to my Batman. <laughs> um, he was a good Robin. And, and Cardinal Richelieu in that movie... Fucking Tim Curry. Tim Curry, yeah. No, definitely. Love that Oh, man. he was a, an excellent villain in that movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, we also had Jennifer Connelly in this. Jennifer Connelly, uh, classic, like, you know... Famous from the Labyrinth? Labyrinth, classic, beautiful actress. She was also in uh, Requiem for a Dream. Mm. A uh, Beautiful Mind. A Beautiful Mind, yeah. She was also in The Rocketeer in 91. She was in The Rocketeer, that's right. Uh, she no, actually she... was also so. This is fun. She's in the Snowpiercer television series. Was she really? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, we got William Hurt in this movie. Oh, love <clears throat> William Hurt. Fucking baller. Uh, the Village. <clears throat> yeah, Lost in Space. Lost in Space. Uh, one of my all-time favorite movies from my childhood. One of my favorites that uh, is on our list. Um, that I sort of, like, discovered, I think, in, like, my first year in college was Altered States. Oh, uh, yeah. That was one of... I can't say this conclusively, but I think that was one of his first, like, starring roles. So the last thing he did was a movie called A History of Violence in 2005. Oh, that wasn't the last thing he did. Uh, according to IMDb, it is. Was it really? Did yeah. he die? Is William uh, yeah, he died in, he died in March. Oh, he died in this 20, year. 2022. Oh, shit. Wait, wait, oh wait. no 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 no! That, You're, that's known for. That's known for. That's the last known for. Okay. No, it's, I was gonna say William Hurt's been in a lot of stuff since then. But yeah, he died in March. 
He was in Black oh. Widow. Yeah, he plays uh, Secretary Ross. of State uh, in the Marvel franchise. Ross, who we all know <clears throat> is the Red Hulk. I didn't know that. You didn't know that Secretary Ross was the Red Hulk? I did not know. Oh, man. I did not. I did not. I did not. Uh, uh, so you mentioned Tim Curry earlier, which yeah. I thought was a good segue to Richard O'Brien. <laughs> oh, no yes. One's, no one's probably going to know who that is. I do. Uh, but by the name? Are you going to know him by name or did you just know him by face? I mean, I know him by face. Okay, yeah. So, uh, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. Riff Raff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think it's probably where we can probably... I, I, I do want to call out uh, just a, like a couple more sort of character actors that pop up in this, but um, Bruce Spence, he popped into my head immediately as Gaji, uh, the one of the poachers in Ace Ventura Pet Detective 2. He was also in Queen of the Damned. Uh, he played one of the old sort of vampire council. Yeah, so... Um, very, I, a very gaunt face. A very tall guy gaunt face. I actually recognized him immediately as well, but from a different movie. A, a, a little known... I mean, most probably wouldn't have seen it. Uh, a Star Wars. Oh, is it Star Wars? Is it Star Wars? Oh my god, he was in a Star Wars! Yeah! So, he actually played a very small bit part in episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. He played one of the Utapawans that gives away that General Grievous is ha holding them hostage on uh, the planet of Utapau. Um, so, I saw his face, I heard his voice, and I was like, oh my god, that's that guy. Uh, it's that guy. It's... Tion Madan from episode three yeah. of Star Wars. Tion Madan. Tion Madan. Yep. Amadeus. Apparently he was also the black lieutenant in Lord of the Rings, which I didn't know. Uh, but actually it makes a lot of sense. Because yeah. uh, the black lieutenant... Is that the mouth of Sauron? Yes. Is that supposed to be? Is that supposed to be synonymous with the mouth yes. of Sauron? If it is, it makes sense because, like, I don't know, the dude's just got a very like long, very gaunt face, which is very like the it mouth. Plays, of, it plays to the creepy angle really. It well. does. Well, yeah. the mouth of Sauron like didn't really like. You didn't see his eyes. Like he he basically was just a mouth. And he had that kind of like long, creepy face with the big yucky teeth. And I'm just saying the dental plan. For orcs, brutal. It's not good. No, it's. Yucky I mean, teeth. you know, a Sauron. Say what you will. I mean, I. I know certain political parties laud him as a job creator. Yeah, he certainly put a lot of orcs to work, and and industry flourished in in Mordor during his reign. And the economy was amazing. Well, I mean, that's what they claim, right? But. I mean, dental care was terrible. I saw orcs dying left and right of preventable diseases. Yeah, and um, vision problems. Working long hours. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of unacceptable. Bad like, working conditions, a lot, a lot of just unsanitary practices. Not ideal. No. Truly not ideal. Uh, okay, so that's who's in this movie. You, you know who's in this movie now, and you can picture it. Yeah. And you've probably seen the movie already. You can see it. Uh, based on, on our descriptions of who's in it. Would we would we recommend this movie? I would recommend this movie. It it tickles my personal fancy in that like I, I enjoy a good mystery. You know, it's no Michael Bay production, but I enjoyed it. I recommend it. So I will say, yes, I would recommend this movie, and I would recommend this movie to general audiences, which I know, I know, is shocking coming from me because I always have caveats and tonight is no exception because <laughs> for those with attention deficit problems this is going to be a hard movie to stay focused on because i think we touched on it before 
this movie does drag quite a few times throughout the movie. Now, there are certain key plot points that really take off and really move fast, but the time between those plot points is excessive. Mm -hmm. So, if you have a very short attention span and you prefer Michael Bay movies... I'm sorry, what were you saying? Exactly. Maybe just try and watch it. I greatly enjoyed it, so yes, I would very much recommend this movie, but I, I don't feel like everybody that I recommend this movie to would enjoy it. That's fair. How about you, Colin? I'm also going to break them a little bit. I'm actually, like, my instinct is to not recommend this movie. Really? Yeah, um, so I would, I would recommend this movie to myself. Um, this is the kind of movie that, you know, I kind of jam on. But truly for general audiences, I would say no. I, especially nowadays, I think a lot of people would find many elements a bit dated. I think the pacing is a little slow. I think if I were to, like, stake my reputation on whether or not a random member of the populace would enjoy a movie, this is not the movie I would stake it on. Um, that I would, is fair. I would be sitting there going like, oh, God, I wish I had the fucking green room right now. You know, like, I wish I, I, I you know, or, or Kung Fu Hustle, like, you know. Uh, or Tokyo Gore Police. <laughs> These are very different movies. I, I gotta, you know, but I mean, as far as, like, engagement is, like, it's the kind of movie that, like, like I said, I, it's something that I like, but... I really don't think most people would enjoy it. And I think even people who like would enjoy the elements of it would struggle because of other things like some of the visuals maybe are a bit dated now, yeah. right? Like some of the pacing is a little off, you know, that kind of shit. Um, but I would actually probably sit on the like, don't recommend side. Now I know the irony is like my rating will still come in over five. But I don't think I would recommend it to a general audience necessarily. And that is valid. I'm just a little bit shocked. Yeah, I know. I know. And again, I like it, but... I don't think I've been present for an episode that you wouldn't recommend a movie to. Well, there, we got a spoiler. There, there were one or two, but... Let's... But, yeah. I think we got some some pretty good ingredients here. Yeah. You know, because if, if I'm the one with the highest recommendation, I think that might be a first as well. So, are we saying we're ready to wrap up a plan? I think I, I think, think so. Yeah. W yeah. Wait, hang on. What are we ready to do? <laughs> <laughs> he never ceases to amaze me. He's this is a backwards way. <laughs> wait, does that mean we're <laughs> coming back out of spoilers? No, no. We're we're going into, but we're doing so backwards in a reverse fashion okay it's like turning around to walk through a doorway yeah you know like when you when you walk up to a door and you're like i'm gonna go through the door but you're like i'm gonna do a little spin first and then you walk through the door yeah you gotta pirouette through the door yeah especially if there's the an time. orgy on the other side of the door all I'm the back time. into that yeah <laughs> well that's right you gotta you gotta come in prepared <laughs> depends it depends on you know who's invited yeah because sometimes you know you want to like get a feel for you know the... oh i'm gonna get a feel no he's gonna he's gonna get a couple feels right right i'm just saying like how tall are the waves you know do you want to go at it from the side you you want to scope it out first there's no holes on the side it's, well... well it depends on the party it, have i been missing the holes on the side yeah oh the ears those are on the side yeah, yeah okay that's true okay yep yep perfect size too yeah <laughs> are they yeah for the just roll, the roll, roll, roll with the Jackson. Yes, they're perfect size. Yes, they're yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yep. 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 So rolling, uh, rolling right along. Chick, 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 boy.
Whoa, you went Ferris Bueller on us. Yeah, I okay. went Ferris Bueller on us. Uh, yeah, that was Bwah, the, the Bwah. Day Bao Bao song. Yep. Yeah. I feel like this is going to be a sign-off this time. All right, everybody together. Nice. Nice. Okay, so uh, movie opens on some exposition. Oh, Should we begin this with like a sort of general description of the movie as we thought IMDb should have had it? Um, oh, yes, that's what I wanted to open with. So, what I would have described this movie as is a man finds himself in a world where he alone is aware of his surroundings and has no memory of what came before. Yeah, I guess I would buy that. I mean, honestly... Well, well give us your tech. I don't know. I, I honestly think, like, you could give a lot more, like... Because, like, in the very beginning of the movie, like, the fucking, the shit is stopping, and like you said, there's exposition in the beginning, like, you know, part of me wants to say, like, a man wakes up and has no memory and is being chased by shadowy figures through a city that never sees daylight. Okay, that's fair. And through the revelations of his own life and the world he's living in, the viewer learns about the circumstances he's in. So, doesn't really roll off the tongue, though. It doesn't. This I mean, is a, it's a hard one to describe. So it, it is. It is. Yeah, but it, I think there are some where it's like, you know, okay, the movie Seven Pounds is like a good example of a movie where I'm, I'm always like, just go and see it. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Just fucking go and see it. Like, and I feel like this movie is like one. Of, I, just, I truly don't feel like knowing everything about it is going to change much. I think the mystery of it is sort of like, it's not super mysterious. Like, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, the mystery is solved pretty quickly. Like, you understand what's going on, but the details come out later. So, Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, when you when you go to IMDb, or Imduba, Imduba, and you click on the plot summary, it gives you Imbly Bimbly. other people's plot summaries. And I think Johnny summed it up the best, in my opinion. Classic Johnny. Am I yeah. right? Dude, Johnny and I go way back. If I had a nickel... For every time that Johnny had a good description on IMDb, oh, it's great. How many how many cents would I have? Oh, uh, you could go on vacation. A couple, man. maybe two or three cents. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I could go on vacation to like the backyard. Than, yeah, less than a nickel's worth of cents. You could buy <laughs> less than a nickel's worth. You of could buy. God damn! So this one is even compromised. Right? That's not good. So Johnny says, "Dark City <laughs> is a somber place. The sun never comes out, and with the chime of midnight, everyone in this metropolis goes to sleep on the spot." Every day is the same, except for one man who wakes up in a bathtub, unaware of who he is and what kind of sinister web he's got himself caught in. When mysterious beings known as the Strangers pursue this amnesiac, he soon realizes he has superpowers. Fucking that's it. That's fucking Johnny. Thank you for finding that. But it's, Th That's exactly what I'm saying. Is like There was so much more in that than the original description. And, and it doesn't give enough of the still, movie away. There's still enough to discover, right? Yeah. Like, there's still details to unravel. And literally everything you fucking said came out in, like, the first five minutes. So yeah. I truly don't feel like it, it does anything to sort of, like, ruin the mystery of the film. That was fucking Johnny, man. Johnny's my guy. Is That, that was Johnny Cage? Yeah. Yeah. He's out here. He's out here fighting Outworld. Right, he's he's kicking Shang Tsung's ass, and yep. he's fucking writing good IMDb descriptions. Yeah, Johnny Cage, my motherfucker, and he can pull off a mean pair of sunglasses too. 
Yeah, $500 sunglasses, asshole. A man unravels his identity as he... I don't know. I'm, I'm fucking lost, dude. Well, I was, I was like, is this a limerick? No, no, like, <laughs> there once he's, was a man in Nantucket. He's giving me a fucking haiku right now. He's like, like, a man unravels his identity. He opens the fridge. Bread. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's that's like, the movie. That's it. You got. The problem with summarizing this movie is that you need so much information just to set up the events that take place. Like, you have to give so much information in order to, like, try to define what the plot is. That is true. I think, I think in, like, you know, that's sort of a hallmark in many respects of, like, sci-fi and fantasy is, like, describe Star Wars in, like, a line. And it's like, you can't. Can't. You, you can't be like. I can't describe and, a Star Wars in a line. You can't describe a Star Wars? Uh, you know, an orphan joins a, a terrorist organization. What is that, Oliver Twist? That's your... That's yeah. it. Or Batman. That's your sentence. <laughs> Go with it. Like, that doesn't tell you what a fucking Bantha is. Yeah, it's true. It's true. All right, well, let's, let's, let's try to, like... Let's, a let's man's father this. hunts him down over time and space. <laughs> Doctor Who. Uh, okay, so so what does this movie open on? Okay, so give it, it to us. Mark. It opens with some exposition, and they just come right out of the gate. I mean, I mean, they just go like right into it. They say every night everything changes. Mm-hmm. That there are these entities who have who are running tests on on humans, and they're called the Strangers. Yeah, I mean, it like lays everything out in the first thirty seconds. And then just drops you in. Like, the plot follows the character as he navigates the setting that's already been laid out, you know? I, I think I've got, a, like, a decent amount of, like, you know, sort of negative sort of details to say about this movie. But one thing I do appreciate is that, where it's like, they give you exposition in the beginning, and you're dropped in, and you're like, okay, I know what fucking literally none of that means. Yeah. And then, and then like, you explore it through the eyes of the protagonist right as you're supposed to right like a protagonist is supposed to carry you through the story arc actually you know we joke about the star war but like star wars is not totally unlike that right like it's like gives you this long fucking like text floating into space and you're reading it and you're like the galactic empire and princess senator you know senator you're like cool what the fuck does that mean right (laughs) like fucking all of these people are doing these things you're just like i I got nothing what what does that mean and then like it's not until you finish the movie that you're like got it okay now literally all of that yellow text makes sense and 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 this is very similar right yeah Yeah. it's not until she pins the the metal on the wookie that you're like oh got it yeah, okay. that's like, what a Wookiee is. Nah. Right, she's <laughs> Okay, so uh, <laughs> let's just jump into like the course of events. Skip over the the uh, the exposition. I don't think it's super helpful. Yeah, um, man wakes up in a bathtub. Yeah, a very very grimy, dirty bath. Like, oh my god, I I almost retched when I saw that water. Like, you can't. Okay, you can't see his his man bits because the water is so murky. Right, but you did see a butt. A oh, butt. okay. Like there okay. was a butt Not and to, a crack. I don't want to sidetrack us like right away, but like, dude, nudity just motherfucking really messes us up. Rufus Sewell, man. That dude's got some honey hams. Yeah. Let's let's just let's just like take a moment to appreciate. That was a pretty butt. That dude claps. Yeah, like fucking claps Christ. as cheese. I mean, I, I, this is the first thing I thought. He gets out and he like stumbles to the sink and he's just like bare man ass. And I'm just going like, good lord, that dude 
just can get it just full of thunder yeah uh it's kind of fucked up because he like wakes up and the, the light is inexplicably like swinging back and forth like there's a there's a light that's sort of suspended on a loose cable um, in the middle of this bathroom, and it's just swinging back and forth, and you're going like... Like it had been hit by something. Yeah, yeah, like, like they there's call back no reason well. for this thing to yeah. be swinging. Uh, so the dude wakes up in the bathroom. There's, like, some clothes draped over a chair. There's a broken, weird syringe on the floor. Um, We've all been there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I was there yesterday. Yeah, right? Um, sorry about that, by the way. No, it's no problem. Just, just stop the light next time you leave. Mm. Um... Because it's it was still swinging. That's a reasonable request. It, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take that under. No, I, I get that. Yeah, throws on the clothes that are over the chair, walks out of the restroom. He's in a, a, a room. He's still trying to piece together his circumstance. He sees a dead body in the room. It's a woman with uh, like swirls kind of carved into her bare chest. I think we we alluded to it earlier, but this this was I think the time when we saw the single titty. Yes. yes. Yeah. Single. That was the the lone tit. The lone boob. Yeah. Uh, but it's lone like, boob, new band name, I call it. <coughs> lone boob. <laughs> lone boob. So, yeah, he finds this woman and she's like on the other side of the bed. Like Mark said, she has like spirals like cut into her body. Like if um, you've ever seen Doctor Who, it very much resembled Gallifreyan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he panics, understandably. Um, fucking just like runs out into the night he has no idea who he is as he is leaving it turns out he's at a hotel uh, he passes the lobby and they're kind of hassling him the payment on his room has expired i will say he gets a phone call before he leaves the hotel from a mysterious man uh identifying himself only as schreber does he i thought he just said i'm a doctor Oh, he might just I think say, he, I'm I think a doctor. he just said, yeah. I'm a doctor. So, Trust me, I'm a doctor. So he gets he gets a phone call. And he's Which is, like, histor- hey. historically has never worked for me. No. Anytime I'm just like, Trust, tr- me. Trust me, I'm, I'm a doctor. Trust me, I'm a doctor. This like, is a nice wife no, Nobody fucking believes me. You know, I try, I try to get into movies that way sometimes. It's like, yeah, okay, it's 8.50 to get his... No, trust me, I'm a doctor. Yes. Yeah, I need to get into that movie. See, anytime I say I'm a doctor, people just drop their pants and assume I'm a proctologist. Right. This I, when it's the first time I met you. That's what I assumed. That's tr- I associate doctors with buttholes. So this doctor calls him and basically says, "I'm a doctor. Get the fuck out of there. They're after you." Yep. And he gets the fuck out of he there. He gets the fuck out of there, which is perfectly reasonable. And it's true, they are after him. They are. It was. A, it's a kind of like a, a Matrix situation, right? Mm. With like uh, when they call Neo when he's at work, and they're like, you know, fucking just trust me. Get the fuck out of there. A little like that, and he jets gets out into the street and this is something that I think we should maybe spend a little bit of time eddying on is the aesthetic of the city that he finds himself in. Oh yeah. It's fucking uh, Gotham. It is it is Gotham. It's That's Gotham. exactly I it's literally city. It's... wrote that down. Oh, uh, so wow. I know he's huh. he's staring at my paper right now for those of you listening. Uh literally wrote Gotham vibe, nondescript, mid-century art deco. It's basically the same aesthetic as any type of Batman. Uh, Specifically, uh, I would say Tim Burton's. Tim Burton's Batman, especially. Yeah. Uh, but also Mystery Men, which was inspired greatly by Tim Burton and Michael Schumacher's Batman And Zack Snyder. And Zach, yeah. uh, well, Zack Snyder came much later. That, well, but okay, but, yeah, but I, I'm saying like, uh, like Mystery Men was inspired by like 
Schumacher and, 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 and Burton in the same way that like you're literally looking at the city and you're like it's dark it's brooding it's, there's no sun ever and it's and borderline forced exposure like it's it's a little bit disjointed yeah yeah and you're sitting there and you're like it, it's, it almost frustrates your mind in a good way because you're sitting there going like okay when is this like yeah I, you're I'm like seeing, I'm, am I having a stroke is this the 60s or is this like way in the future yeah like I'm seeing elements of like art deco which suggests maybe like 1935 1940 these things were built like you know people like there's no television but there are some radios that are kind of suggestive of like maybe mid-century type you know and, and i'm and, also seeing like Duesenbergs and yeah but there like, but then there were like some there were some cars that were clearly like mid to like late 60s and you're like it confuses the mind and nobody has a cell phone <clears throat> nobody's got a cell phone it's it's it confuses the mind Kind of in a good way, to be perfectly yeah. honest. And I think they actually explain that away very well later in the movie. Yes. Um, which we'll get to, but it's fucking Gotham. Yeah. And Gotham itself, I think, has many elements of, we've already discussed this, but many elements of Lovecraft, but a lot of elements of Geiger. It's dark, it's sexy, it's brooding and industrial. Um, I, I, would, I would argue that, like, there's... You're not meant to sit and overanalyze the setting, you know? I think it's just meant to evoke feelings. It's all just kind of happening in the background. Any, any, anyhow. Um, well, it's, it's kind of like your mind is having a stroke. Like, you can't quite place it, but it looks familiar. You which, know? which, like, f is fucking perfect for this movie because the main character is fucking suffering from amnesia and only has oh, clips yeah. and phrases. And you're, so, you know, he literally flashes of memory and he can't place them and he has no idea what the flashes are. Admittedly, a perfect choice for an aesthetic because your mind is going through, in some ways, the same thing that his mind is going through. It's like this is all familiar. Any any individual element is familiar, but the collective does not, to me, conjure a, a time and place. And that's problematic, and it's it's frustrating, and it's sort of itchy to my mind. And when you look too close at it, it starts to break down. Yeah. But nobody <clears throat> in this film, other than Murdoch, who is our main character, is looking close at it because to them, they see it every day. Right. You know, one thing that I, that I enjoyed is that, like, you know, you go to any kind of metro area, you're, you're going to bump into people who are struggling with mental illness, and you know, you might hear statements that seem out of place. And the end is nigh. Yeah, just those types of things, you know, because cities tend to be uh, a place that kind of collects all sorts of people from all different strata of society. And one interesting element to this movie is that you would have people who are meant to like portray maybe homeless people and they're they're spouting off these like wild things that you as the watcher know actually fit with what's going on. Like the people who seem to have a firmer grasp on reality are the elements of society that are most typically ignored and dismissed. You know, it makes you almost like question, you know, what is real. Mm -hmm. There's you know. a particular character that I'm thinking of when you brought that to mind. There's a detective with the police precinct known as Eddie Walensky. And Eddie Walensky seems to have suffered a psychotic break and is just the psychotic ramblings of a madman, right? Just goes nuts, is drawing shit on the walls, think beautiful mind, like his office and his apartment are just pasted with pictures and drawings and just all this weird shit that doesn't make any sense to the people in the film. But as the viewer, you know that Walensky is actually clued in 
to the plot mm-hmm. and the deeper meaning behind the movie. Before we go any further, the guy who plays Walensky, I just wanted to make a quick aside say he is an absolutely astounding actor. I really thought his performance in this movie was something to be noted. But getting back to sort of like our progression of events. So the main character, played by Rufus Sewell, is going through this city and trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. He has only clips and phrases of things, uh, but is truly, you know, a full amnesiac. Through a postcard that he has in his pocket, he ends up finding a billboard advertising Shell Beach and ends up in an automat, which yet again, something that like is massively dated. Uh, even by the time this movie came out, extremely dated. He gets in there and some guy says that he forgot his wallet in there, um, gets his wallet out of there and uh, realizes his name is John Murdoch. John Murdoch. He leaves with a prostitute. Um, a lady of the evening, well, if you will. Sort of. And like the prostitutes make an eyes at him as he walks into the automat. And he starts getting hassled by some police officers that are in there because they see him kind of acting weird. And she kind of steps in and like helps him navigate out of that interaction with the police. And then that's the kind of the segue to her room. So it's almost like she like befriended him. Like he didn't go out in search of a prostitute. Correct. I I just think that that distinction. No, for sure. And he's still trying to figure out who he is. Not that I have like a great deal of familiarity with prostitutes, but this prostitute is perhaps a great outlier in the normal distribution of like prostitute attractiveness. I know one or two. I think this one... You saying she's was, a cutie pie? I think she was pretty flame for uh, for a lady of the night. She might have been throwing him a freebie. Maybe. But, like, well. I feel like I feel like when you're that hot, you can charge a premium. I feel like a freebie is, is not, not in your game. Well, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Mark is not interested in, in discussing prostitutes with us. Well, I'm just saying... What are you saying? Tell me. Enlighten us. Well... Look, it's like this. <laughs> we gotta look, Jackson. Jackson, look at him. God damn it, look at him. Oh, I'm looking. Oh, he's looking. Don't you look at me, god damn it. We just, he just you asked told me to look. it was a test. Told, it was man. a test. You failed. Oh, you god damn it. it, it was a test. Dang it. Look, when I say like look at me, what I mean is don't. Fucking don't SATs over here. God damn it. Anyway, um, they go up to the room. She starts uh, disrobing. Titties. That yeah, this is where we see the double, the the pack of titties. Yep, you know, like a two packer. Yeah, I, you know, I, like a doubler. Buy one, get one free. Quite, quite nice. If it's, I will admit, I had the strangest boner. The strangest? What are you? Talking I I don't think there was any mystery in that boner. Uh, there was a lot of mystery in this movie. There's mystery in the movie, but not in the boner. Well, okay, that's fair. The boner. <laughs> the boner was an no. Equ- that was an appropriate a, a, boner. A pretty clear linear equation of like nice pair of tits plus enjoying tits equals boner. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think we need to circle around. Um, you know, let's not uh, let's not draw any conclusions. We saw her butt too. A butt. Yep, there was a butt to be seen. Um, Side butt. But then he shall, shall we say butt? Uh, just prior to this, we should, we're kind of all over, because this is a fucking confusing movie, but prior to this, he had reason to believe 
that he was a serial killer, did like he, a like he, a Jack the Ripper type. Yeah, so so like he had, we like, said, articles he, like clipped out articles in yeah, his pocket. So he like woke up in this fucking crazy place with this chick who had like she was dead and she had like spirals cut into her and all this shit. And he there was a bloody knife in the room and this, he this has is no recollection. Back to the opening scene, yeah. and he later discovers like a fucking like bevy of articles in his coat pocket about this serial killer who killed all these prostitutes so he's basically wondering am i this serial killer and he basically has no drive to murder this woman and decides to leave to be fair she's like fully naked at this point and he just pieces right he does. I, don't, I don't think i would have had the self-control to walk out of that room well, he's he's not there with a purpose. He's still kind of stumbling around. And Doesn't like, matter. There's I've a been stum- I've stumbled around plenty. There's a beautiful naked woman, like ten feet from you, and you're just gonna walk out of the room. Well, he doesn't know. Maybe that's not his jam. He doesn't know that much about himself yet. He only recently learned his first name. Maybe he's in to things outside. I feel like like your jam is one of the first things that you sort of dial into, even with amnesia. Your I jam is pretty biologically yeah, your, inclined. Your jam could is kind of... Could it be jelly? It's got to be jelly. Because jam don't jam shake don't like don't that. Shake like that. <laughs> 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 That's the first fucking thing that came to my mind. Yeah, th- this is an extremely complicated movie to describe because it is a mystery, because there's so many twists and turns, and there's a lot of shit that needs to sort of come out during the movie. Well, um, a lot of it is visual too it's, it is it's, it's kind of hard to, to insert into a podcast setting yeah no doubt no doubt well uh, so where does he go after he leaves the prostitutes oh man he ends up at home he goes to his house and yeah. he meets jennifer Connolly. playing who, emma we get introduced to her to a scene that we didn't describe where she's, she's like a, a lounge, lounge singer. singer yeah she's a yeah. very sexy lounge singer uh, i don't i don't know i don't know I mean, oh what oh, whoa i see whoa, I just you hold your tongue whoa. sir you hold your tongue i'm saying jennifer Connolly, pretty lady but I never bought that she was a lounge singer. And that, like, her delivery was just so, like, bare. But that's kind of a lounge singer, right? Like, it's just, like, it's, it's, it's so... like, sexy apathy. But it wasn't where it's like, that, I, though, I'm going to sing, but I'm so fucking tired. Yeah, but she just And I'm like just going to sing all sexy because when I get when I get tired and drawn out, I my voice kind of sounds like I this. loved every second of it. I fucking, I love that yeah, shit. Maybe, maybe I'm alone. This was no... She is just... This was no Jessica Rabbit. In, in sexuality. I don't know. I mean, Jessica Rabbit, was... Jennifer Connelly. I think I'd lean on Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. No, no doubt. Well, certainly. I mean, Jennifer, you know, Jessica Rabbit, you know, I mean. Is a cartoon. Clear disadvantage of being a cartoon. Yeah. But Jennifer Connelly also has the advantage of being extremely attractive and a great actress. <sighs> and yes. three-dimensional. So, and three-dimensional, for sure. Okay, this is another total aside, but let's talk about Jennifer Connelly's eyebrows. Dude. Okay, so. A couple of caterpillars. I No, no, they were, they were like thick and like full but and, and I want I wanted to no I wanted to call it out because like I fucking love her eyebrows in this movie. They're fucking full female eyebrows and they're fucking sexy and she owns them. 
And it is not some like, okay, I've got, you know, 10,000 eyebrow hairs and I'm going to pluck all but five. And then I'm going to pencil in some bullshit. No, fuck that. Nope. You got a fucking, you got a brow. You, you need some eyebrows on that brow. Fuck yeah. And she fucking like owns it so hard and I love it. It's and one it, of her defining features. It is. And it, 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 it fucking, if you want a good example of sexy female eyebrows, you check out Jennifer Connelly in Dark City. And I will stake my reputation on that shit. And I just fucking cannot handle what eyebrows have become in sort of, quote unquote, you can't see me, I'm doing air quotes, a modern standards of beauty. Yeah. So one thing that we forgot to mention in the beginning exposition is they, they call out that there are these creatures from another planet. We'll call them aliens. I don't think he calls them aliens. No, but they're super aliens. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely aliens. He refers to them as the strangers. They have telekinesis. They're able to manipulate space with their mind. They are not able to read one's mind, but they can manipulate space. So telekinetic, not telepathic. telepathic. Yeah. And it's mentioned that they rearrange the city every night. That's important. He mentions it in the beginning, and then we're just kind of drip-fed exposure to them. You know, like in the scene where he's like running out of the room in the very beginning, you see them come out of an elevator and head into that room, but there's nothing else to it. They, like they, You just kind of see them in passing. They're all pasty white with like black, I don't, I don't we call them like trench coats, I suppose. Totally yeah. trench coats. So basically think pinhead without the pins. Yeah. Right? Bald head, pasty white skin, long black trench coats that Mark and I would have happily worn circa 15 years ago, 20, 20 years ago. Perhaps. Um, I definitely wore one. Yeah. Okay, so, so all three of us. Still have mine. Would have happily donned these clothes and to be fair we all have pretty fucking pale pasty pallid skin so yeah but i'm definitely not bald you are not bald right, right. and i nor, nor am i i bore Mark's on wearing a hat so we're not sure eh, could be could be a little secret uh, uh <laughs> little, little secret little secret here little secret there um, well i went full fucking mickey mouse there didn't i yeah little secret ho ho Oh, boy. You'll never guess. Golly gee willikers. Oh, my goodness. Are you bald? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so I had to get that in there. Um, and we see, like, bits and pieces of them almost as just a part of the background scene. Um, there's a bit where... They're chasing him, basically, like, throughout throughout this be the beginning part of this movie. Yeah. He doesn't know who the fuck they are, but they're fucking chasing him. He also has no idea why they're chasing him. No, but that phone call that he got from the doctor... The people that were after him, it was these. And they, they did at, at one point sort of reveal that, like, we reanimate your dead as hosts. So, like, basically, there are these little alien, uh... They kind of, they kind of squids look, almost. Yeah, they kind of look like um like the face huggers from Alien, but translucent and poorly CG generated. Yes, uh -huh. very very like poorly generated, and they infect dead humans and sort of use them as vessels. I will say, ninety percent of this movie is practical effects, with the notable exception of a the rearranging of the city and. Be the depiction of the true nature of the strangers. See, I, I, feel, I would actually, like, I feel like I would reverse that, to be perfectly honest. Like, not to disagree, but I, I, I think this movie, I think there were, there were specific aspects of practical effects that I was, like, very pleased with. But I think this movie was a great deal of CG, and unfortunately, I feel like a lot of that CG didn't hold up. No, the, it did the, not. The, the practical effects did. And I, I would say, you know, if, if I were to give a breakdown 
Um, I know this this stands in contrast to what you were saying, but I, I think I would say maybe like 70% CG and maybe 30% practical. Okay. And I thought the practical held up. I thought the CG was a little lacking. It was dated. Dated, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I think I might, with this one, I might agree more with, with Jackson in that I think there was more practical than CGI, but the CGI was so dated that like anytime you saw it, like it was like, Ah, CGI, and it it pulled you out of the immersion. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. One of my biggest gripes, to be perfectly honest. I think there's a lot of CGI nowadays that like we don't even pick up on, and I think every time CGI was used in this movie, it was obvious. Blatantly yeah. obvious. So, there you go. A little sort of breakdown of that and sort of our sort of take on it. So, kind of rolling with the progression of the film. Uh, Rufus Sewell is playing John Murdoch, is running through this city, this completely dark city. Ah! Yeah, title drop. Uh, thinking that he is a serial killer. And he tracks down his wife. He's running from these fucking pinhead Hellraiser types. And finds her, finds out that, you know, she had cheated on him, blah, 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 infidelity, yada, yada. Meanwhile, police officer played by William Hurt is tracking him down under the suspicion of being this serial killer. And William Hurt replaced one of his contemporaries who has gone mad that Jackson previously described and sort of like gone, you know, fucking haywire writing all over the walls that kind sort of, of shit. Sort of like a Renfield from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so he is also tracking him. The pallid aliens that we call the Strangers also have Kiefer Sutherland as their lackey who plays a psychiatrist who understands the human mind to the point where they need his skills to mix human memories into a believable soup before they are injected into people every night at midnight when the world stops and they change it for their own experiments. During what they call the tuning. The tuning. So tuning is what Mark had described as telekinesis, right? It's the ability to sort of change things, mutate things, and this group of pinhead types, right, the the strangers, get together and change the world collectively through a collective tuning. It's by... also what a musician or band might do to their instruments before playing. I don't think that's true. No? No. I I, I've been to a lot of punk shows, and, well, and I can okay. confidently say that tuning is not something that musicians do before. Matthew uh, Lillard would know best. He would. <laughs> Wow. I know what he was going for. I don't know if that went through or not. I know what he was going for with that. <laughs> every time that they do their tuning, they chatter their teeth, and there's this like weird kind of like... And that was sound. Mark chattering his teeth. Yeah. yeah. So they sound real good. Drink that, it in. That happened. You need a lot, of, a lot of milk there. Drink it in. It's good for the bones. It's good for the it's bones. vitamin D. It's good for oh, I got some vitamin D for you. <laughs> oh, like good. dick. For yeah. The, it's good for the bones. Uh, oh, I got a bone for you. I think the middle part of this movie is something that can kind of be summed up in... Chase scene. Yeah, sort of short order chase scene, right? So, John is running. He's got his wife. She doesn't know whether to believe him. William Hurt is chasing him. Don't want William Hurt chasing you. That's never good. Definitely not. Running from Hellraiser pinhead types. Also not something that's ideal. Like, I mean... Not on my to-do list. In the grand scheme of things, in the pecking order that is things that could happen to me, Mm -hmm. running from 
Hellraiser pinhead types. It's, it's, it's kind of far down. Never yeah. after August. Like in, never after August. No. No. It's like it's like white pants and running from Hellraiser pinhead types. Total, never after Labor Day. Totally passe after Labor Day. Right. And he, I mean, literally the beginning, the the middle part of this fucking movie is just consumed with him running from these fucking nutters and he also it turns out possesses the ability of of zertuning zertuning guten yeah whoa and it's revealed in the automat yes we do figure that out at the automat so like early on in the movie and i think also early on they established that that is like part of the reason why these weirdos are chasing him is that he possesses the same skill that they do it's referenced briefly that like it takes multiple of your lifetimes in order to 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 learn this technique and this guy has just kind of figured it out but he doesn't realize it it's it's there are many elements in this movie that have been picked up by other movies one of those being The Matrix. And there's a lot of parallels in how he is dropped in a situation and he's being chased. But another one of those parallels is that he has this weird innate ability to manipulate the world around him. He has the gift. Yeah, he's, he's the one. Oh, he's never he's called the... the one. Like, but No, but he is. I mean, you know, you're totally right. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, and, so, you know, it's so funny. We, we don't mean to make fun of Keanu Reeves because he's also a friend of the podcast. And yeah. he is a genuinely kind soul. And Canadian. We went is golfing it? the other I think day. He, is he Canadian? He's not Canadian. How do you know that? Because we went golfing the other day. You and Keanu? Yeah. Reeves? Yeah. Matthew? Isn't, yeah. Isn't Keanu... Uh, I thought Keanu was a Hawaiian name. He is. I thought he was Hawaiian. At he least, is. At least partially No, Hawaiian. he's a Hawaiian Canadian. He is. A Hawaiian. Of the Canadians that I've met, they have also been to Hawaii, and it makes me jealous because I've never been to Hawaii, and I'm, you know, it's like, how do you get there? You know, how do you how do you get to Hawaii? And it's like, I don't know. It's well, like, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Yeah. Practice, right. am I right? Yeah. Like, yeah, how do you get to Hawaii? You could practice, but you're not going to get there. No. So, you know, you just pay for a ticket like a normal Start person. Start swimming. Delta. But like Delta I was Airlines. saying. <laughs> Delta. <laughs> <laughs> Matrix parallels. There's even a scene where a knife gets thrown at his face and he like Whoosh. stops it with his mind, flips it around and throws it back at the guy who threw it at him. Yeah. So like it's it's there are a lot of Matrix parallels. Matrix, baby. Yeah. Um, Matrix algebra um, dot product. Bum 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 ba Right, so, no, no, so, like, I think the reason we're eddying slightly is the middle of this movie is basically one enormous chase scene, right? So you've got the main character, played by Rufus Sewell, who is trying to get his memory back, his wife, who is accused of infidelity, played by Jennifer Connelly, is trying to support him while also trying to figure all this shit out. Uh, a police detective played by William Hurt is also trying to track him down and arrest him, but is also trying to figure this shit out and is noticing some of the inconsistencies, especially because of his police, uh, not partner, but another policeman who was formerly on this case who had sort of discovered the bounds of this city or the lack thereof. And you've got the strangers who are chasing Rufus Sewell and the, these other individuals who are tangentially connected to him through the city because they know he is a threat because he can tune and you've got Kiefer Sutherland who is the lackey or seemingly lackey of the strangers who is human but is sort of doing their bidding is immune from their 
sleep bullshit where they can sort of just put everybody to sleep and it's helping them sort of like mix and match memories of people in order to create uh, experiments to understand what truly makes us human. In that way, I think this movie sort of succeeded as sci-fi in that I, I truly feel like the hallmark of good sci-fi. I think a lot of people feel this a fantasy. Um, I actually prefer fantasy to sci-fi, but I don't necessarily agree with this. Um, but the hallmark of good sci-fi is sort of like philosophic introspection, right? Or like deep questions that are asked about human nature through the, the introduction or advent of a, a technology or an experience that doesn't exist today, but would successfully test certain aspects of our humanity. How very Asimov of you. I don't, you know, I think Asimov certainly had sort of the first crack at this or the first like, you know what? Actually, that's bullshit. Asimov didn't have the first crack. In this. No, uh, I think Mary Shelley yes. probably had uh, one of the first true healthy sort of whacks at this um, in a in a sci-fi context. Right. Like what makes us human? Uh, Frankenstein was a very good dissection of one very narrow band of those aspects. Asimov did an amazing job at sort of, you know, picking up where she left off, expanding that. Not that, you know, again, not that that there weren't those in between them that did an amazing job, but all good sci fi should carry that torch. Right. It should make us think, yeah, but what if this? Yeah. And if you're sitting there going like, what if this like, you know, again, Asimov is a is a is a king, is a master of this. Like, what makes us human, right? Like, which is not the only philosophical question to ask in sci-fi, but one of the greatest, right? Like, what if you could craft a being that had its own artificial but still very real memories? What if they could make decisions independently? What if they could do this? What if they could do that? What if androids dreamed of electric sheep? Like, you know, fucking, what if such and such? Yeah. Is the most fundamentally sci-fi question. And I think this this movie asked it in an amazing way. A very creative way. A creative way in, in the sense of like the characters in this movie were trying to get at the question of what makes us human. What is the human what, soul? What is the human soul? What provides the foundation for human individuality? Because these beings were suffering from a sort of slow extinction and they were also suffering from the situation where they all share a collective memory. And they were trying to study a species, that is us, that had individual memories uh, in order to understand what makes us unique individuals. And so they were playing with aspects of human memory in order to fully understand what makes us human. And yeah, that is something that I think, you know, we can all sort of relate to, right? Like we are all nothing but a sum of our collective experience, right? Well, it is it is an interesting question. You know, do the memories make the man? If you if you were to wake up tomorrow and have the memories of someone completely different, would you live the life of that different person? Or would the structure, like the physiological structure that, that is your mind, that is your unique self, is that what dictates your actions? Or is it all of those experiences that you've gone through? Which is a fascinating question. If you were to oh, wake yeah. up as a serial killer tomorrow, would, you, would kill? you continue to kill? Yeah, which is what the main character faced in this movie. And the sort of like base philosophical question that is posed, but the, the sort of larger overarching uh, question is, do your memories dictate what you do? Or does this, as Mark put it, the physiological structure of your brain dictate what you do? Uh, or is it truly a 
combination of the two. And I don't think the movie was coming down on a side in that. Well, it can't. It can't really, but well, I, mean, I think I... in in the sense that all good sci-fi should ask questions that spark this kind of conversation right. and that can't be answered. I I would say as many gripes as I have with with certain aspects of this movie, this movie is good sci-fi. Yes, yes. and I would take exception to the can't be answered. I think it can be. We just can't yet. As most good sci-fi, it's like you're asking a question that could be answered with enough effort time consideration right. but has not been yet well they, right they like did, it's just out of reach they did give That's themselves the <laughs> the, yeah they they gave themselves an out in that the main character who did not go on to be a serial killer had his inception moment it was an unsuccessful transmission of those memories so they didn't have to answer it because you could say that like the main character didn't go on to be a murderer so clearly it's it's about structure and not about memory well they gave themselves an out by by showing that he wasn't successfully implanted with those memories. And I don't know if that was intentional so that they didn't have to fall on the side or if it just kind of fit the narrative. Um, I think also, like, there yeah. were a lot of other sort of, like, little plays at it, right? Like, a lot of other characters were shown to be changing their behavior as a result of their memories. Like, there was a, a sort of poor guy. He was kind of destitute. He was sitting at a table with his wife eating soup. And he's sitting there going like, oh my God, I'm going to get laid off. This is fucking terrible. Like they just can't, you know, they, they won't keep me on and yada, yada, yada. And then his life morphs into that of a sort of aristocrat, somebody who's in a position of power and his, his whole fucking, you know. Demeanor and it, it, accent yeah, and well, dialect well, changes. Yeah, but also his like his house transforms into a mansion and he's sitting at his, you know, suddenly it goes from like, Two, a two-person table to, like, a ten-person table. Yeah, yeah, with, like, fucking candelabras and, you know, the the whole nine yards. And he's sitting there going, like, well, I had to let Johnson go because... It was Fredrickson. Fre Fredrickson. Oh, Fredrickson said such and such. And I had to adjust my monocle, so he had to go. And I, you know, and he was perfectly happy to fucking fire people. But at the same time, they sort of, like you know, played against that in uh, the guy when Rufus Sewell was originally leaving the hotel, the individual who was trying to say, hey, yo, you gotta, you gotta pay your fucking hotel bill, said, no free days for good behavior, no days off for good behavior, that's what it was. And then he gets transformed into a, a newspaper salesman, and Rufus Sewell interacts with him briefly, and he says, how long have you been working here? Keep in mind, 10 hours ago, this guy was working at a hotel. His memories had been changed. He goes, 25 years, no days off for good behavior. And so they sort of play on the other aspect of human memory and sort of, the you know, perhaps the structure of the brain, right? Like, and I, you know, it's, it's funny, like, I say all this, I have this exact same experience editing this podcast. The exact same experience, seriously. We are all just fucking meat machines in some respects <laughs> like you would not believe the amount of times i'm editing this podcast i've said this to people before to illustrate this point but like i'm listening to it and i hear some shit that you guys say and i'm like oh man i would say this in this scenario and then i hear myself say it verbatim <laughs> not just not just the words but the way i would i had intended to say it I would hear myself fucking like echo it back and say it back to me. And I'm sitting there going like, fuck, I am just this like fucking meat machine of ready-made bullshit. Yep. And you guys press the right buttons and it spits out some fucking, you know, silly ass speech for me. 
And there's a piece of me that loves that and a piece of me that hates that. But I think this movie sort of calls into question exactly what that is, right? Like, I can come up with an original thought. I truly can. But the piece of me that would come up with an original thought takes a lot more than sort of my responsive self. Right. I think that's that's the whole thing this movie's trying to get at, right? Like, they're, they, they understand, these aliens, they understand, like, okay, if I fuck with your memories, you'll play along for a minute, for a while, because you're... The, the pathways in your brain dictate that in this circumstance you do this, blah, 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 blah. But if you, if you actually, like, like apply executive function, you can change those pathways. Which is right? probably why they do it every night. Because if they let the simulation run too long, the simulation breaks down. So yeah, maybe. That's a, good, if that's a good thought. If you stay ahead of the, of the morph, if you will, the uh, inevitable. Yeah, that's a thought. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a much deeper philosophical question that they're flirting with. But again, that's that's what makes good sci-fi. No, it truly is. Like we said, like th- this movie, you know, is basically a long chase scene in the middle. Yeah. It sort of ends in your standard kind of sci-fi climax, right? Well, okay, so one, one through line with the narrative is that he's chasing after, was it Shell Beach? Yeah. Yes. Okay, and he, it's on postcards, it's on billboards, and he meets up with an uncle. Uncle. You can't see I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. Someone who is an uncle figure. Kurt Harris. Man, doctor. <laughs> not doctor. Trust me, I'm a doctor. A doctor. Um, but, like, no one knows how to get to Shell Beach. And they finally, they don't kidnap, but they more or less kind of coerce the doctor, Kiefer Sullivan, into, like, taking them to Shell Beach. And they end up, like, opening up this, like, door. It's all very confusing. I mean, it's meant to feel claustrophobic, too. But, like, he, he opens this door and there's this, like really like industrial looking room and on one of the walls of this room there is another one of these billboards and they start tearing the paper off the billboard well, it's not a billboard it's just a wall but they they, they tear the yeah, paper it's off it's a billboard on a wall for sure but yeah, it's yeah. like but it's in a room so it's no you're right but i mean it's it's a billboard size poster let's yeah, say yeah yeah it's so they, they, they tear down the decal and start taking hammers to the brick wall right behind it and all of, all of a sudden, it, it gives way, and it's just space, empty space, um, like 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 space as in um, outer, <laughs> yeah. Um, that was not a good start. To boldly go where no man has that, gone before. That was before. not a good Star Trek whistle. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, they being. I, I prostrate myself before you and beg your forgiveness. It's fine. No, nobody <laughs> who's ever prostrate checked. <laughs> I'll check it for you. Give it a little squeeze. Um, it's a little squeeze. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> William Hurt's character and one of the Cenobites. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'll just call them. Uh, we really should just call them Cenobites. That's yeah. right. Uh, For those of you listening at home, Cenobites were the creatures in the Hellraiser franchise of which Pinhead was one. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Um, They get sucked out, pushed out, pulled out by space wind. I don't really, I don't know. (laughs) Um, And we get to kind of view through the eyes of the detective as he's kind of floating off. And what we see, and this is probably the big wool removed from your eyes, you know, the, the curtain drops. The city is just that. It is a city that is floating in space. There's nothing beyond the city. There is no atmosphere or sky. The reason why it is always dark in this city is because, well, there is no sun. The spaceship is... Well, I guess it is. 
it's pivoted away from the sun so that the city faces, for lack of a better term, the dark side of the moon. The darkness. Yeah. Um, so it's, 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 uh, it's kind of like a spaceship, I guess. 101.6, the dark. It's a Petri dish. It's, it's a labyrinthian Petri dish for, for, for experimentation. Totally. So one of the things that also gets revealed sort of when they get sucked out of the fucking, you know, doodle bob there, uh, is there does appear to be some kind of force field that exists around the city to sort of trap in the air and sort of make it, um, you know, insulate it slightly from the horrors of space. So you kind of see these characters get sucked out and they sort of fly away and they pass through this force field into the sort of, you know, darkness of space. Um, after a beat, let's say, it kind of climaxes with them catching Rufus Sewell, taking him down into the sort of bowels of the city, beneath the city, uh, where the Cenobites live, and trying to implant him. He says, no, a fuck to you, and becomes all fucking Neo on them. Goes Neo all over everybody's oh, asses. Everybody. Okay. Everybody's asses. Like, like, Nobody's ass was safe well, hang on. from Rufus Sewell's Neofication. Yeah, so he gets the neofication. Uh, <laughs> we we discover that Kiefer Sullivan's character has become disenchanted with his position with the Cenobites, and he concocts this syringe that contains um, all these synthetic memories of how to utilize the tuning gift. And in that in that pivotal scene where they're about to like implant the Cenobite memories and try to like merge with John Murdoch. Kiefer Sullivan's character does a little switcheroo on the syringes and gives him this like, again, it, it's in the matrix. It's, it's like that scene where they're just like implanting memories. That's what this is. He implants the memories. You know, Neo wakes up and he's like, I know Kung Fu. Yeah. This and is it's like, cause that. he fucking like uploaded Kung Fu to his brain the same shit. Like, he fucking sticks a needle instead of the back of his head, like in the Matrix. It's in the front of his head. It's, like, like in his forehead. And Rufus Sewell wakes up and goes full Neo on everybody's Psychic asses. Psychic Kung Fu. Oh, yep. yeah. He, he fucking goes... And I say woo, woo, woo. And I say... I say brain food. When I say woo, 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 I mean that in the sense that... like a womp, 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 No, 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 no. It's like a woo, 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 woo. And it's like that because... See, I use that very intentionally because that is the sound that Aquaman makes. And let's be honest, the the fucking CGI that had it coming out of his fucking forehead was very reminiscent of Aquaman. Like, I so hate that you're right right now. Yeah, it's right. I good. fucking that's that's it. I hit the nail on the head. God damn it, you did. It was not good. Uh, so he goes he goes Neo all over everybody's asses. With his brain foo. With his brain foo. Yeah. Really, really, brain within, the shit out of him. Within like three or four minutes, he takes them all out. And he fucking, yeah, he pretty much lays waste to the Cenobites, remakes the world in his image, and uh, uh, becomes the Jesus character. And uh, and then roll re- credits. Re-meets his wife and roll credits. Yeah, and, and they couldn't really end it anywhere else because they, they kind of established that like, this is an Earth, there's no winning, you're trapped. So like, the best they could do is like, he he tilts the spaceship towards the sun. So like, it's finally like daytime. Which like, let's be honest. Like there was no telling the distance that that spaceship was to that star. 
So, like, let's say it was, like, a billion miles closer to that fucking star. Like, he turns it and everybody bursts into flame. I mean, Mercury is right up on the sun. He's and not the, an astrophysicist. The, the ass side of Mercury is, like, negative fucking degrees. And the fucking front side is, like, like rivers of lead. Yeah. So, like, he turns that fucking thing. Yeah, he could fucking waste some motherfuckers. Yep. Everybody dies. That is reckless. Yeah. That is just, that is bare bones like the most reckless thing that you could do he doesn't even know who he is how does he know space establish your place in the cosmos sir right right but if we start read some carl sagan don't start picking don't start picking because it all just it will unravel very will fall apart i'm gonna gonna pull the the thread of this sweater Uh, (laughs) yeah anyway um so yeah that's kind of how it ends uh saves the day turns the spaceship centibytes are gone um what are we like i I liked the uniqueness of this. Yeah. Um, I think had this movie come out today, I would have criticized it for pulling from so many other things like The Matrix and The Truman Show and, you know, all of these concepts that have come out since this movie. But because this movie, I think it came out. It predates Matrix for sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it predates Truman Show. Um, When did Truman Show come out? I want to say like the early odds. Was it? Okay. Yeah, that sounds right to me. I I have to give it major points for creativity. Yeah. Ninety eight. So the, Ooh, like same the, so they the Truman, the same Truman Show was same year. Okay. So so I mean, I the whole time I was watching this, I was getting Truman Show vibes, mm-hmm. and that is not to dig on this movie. It is just the fact that I have seen Truman Show and I have not seen Dark City. So the whole time I was watching this, I was comparing it, and that is not fair. But same vibe. I mean, you take The Matrix, and you throw in a little Truman Show, add a little bit of Zack Snyder, and you've got yourself Dark City. Yeah, and and throw in a Burton and a Schumacher Batman. Mm -hmm. 50-50, a Burton and a Schumacher. But... And it, I mean, you could say that maybe this thing pulled its aesthetic from pre-established Tim Burton-esque movies. Maybe I don't. I I really enjoyed the I, but creativity. I, I, honestly, that, that like I, I've got I've got knocks against this movie, but I honestly put, wouldn't put that as one of them. No, I think I think it chose its aesthetic for a very specific reason. I think it did it because they wanted something that was nondescript, and they're sitting there going like Burton. Schumacher fucking nailed the idea of Gotham as this sort of like mid-century nondescript city. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what we want to go for. And then they explicitly explain it and call it out in the in the movie. He says, basically, this this city is a cobbling together of memories from the people we've abducted. And like, if you abducted a shit ton of fucking people in 1998 from the Earth, and cobbled together their memories, their memories would probably average out to about, you know, maybe 1955, 1960, right? Yeah, because you've got would people be like, that survived World War II, yeah. and you've also got people that barely survived the first Gulf War. Yeah, and, and you would have a very sort of healthy mix of what was there, what was available, yada yada, which is, I think, a pretty cool explanation, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I will say I really liked the actors that were in this um the actors or the acting the actors okay so the actors that were in this acted very well rufus sewell william hurt jennifer Connolly, Kiefer sutherland 
Kiefer Sutherland played a part that is very odd, almost Igor-like. Yeah, his cadence when he was talking, very specific. Yeah, yeah, even like in his opening like lines, like there was definitely intention. It's like he had asthma or some some rheumatoid issue. So his characterization was very similar to that of like Igor or uh, if you're familiar with young Frankenstein Igor. He, they he, told me it was Igor. Yeah. Well, they were wrong then, weren't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah, no, I I Frankenstein. Do you also say Frederick? No. It's Frederick. Why isn't it Frederick Frankenstein? It's not. It's Frederick Frankenstein. Doctor. Doctor. They called him Mr. Mr. Pig. Dr. Pig? So, Dr. Pig. Dr. Pig. That's the new band name. Um, so, this movie for me was like a, a an exercise in dichotomies, right? Like, I would give this movie like 10 out of 10 for creativity, for the sort of sci-fi philosophical bend. I thought they fucking nailed the sci-fi. And for what practical effects were present. I really do. Yeah. Um, if you guys are done with your what you liked, I'll move into what I didn't like. Yeah. Which sort of like we'll piggyback on, on that. What I did not like, which is it's it's kind of a, you know, it's an extensive list of sort of picky things. The first one, perhaps not so picky. I thought the acting was subpar in this movie. I hate to admit it, but people I loved. I You guys were talking about like Kiefer Sutherland. And I fucking hated his character choice for, like, the the sort of, like, out-of-breath scientist. I hated his accent. I hated, like, <laughs> what... Like, listening to him talk just fucking enraged me. It was just too much for me. I really wish he would have chosen a... A different characterization. Yeah, no, I really, really do. And, it, it, and was, see, it was hard to listen to I for me. I will level with you on that, because the characterization I did not enjoy, but... The fact that Kiefer Sutherland can play Jack Bauer and Dr. Schreiber at the same time. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, like, I think Kiefer Sutherland is an He's absolutely an outstanding actor. actor. But his like, character... Next in, level actor. His character in He's this A-list. movie was, a, was obnoxious this, at best. This was, this was not his best performance. And Rufus Sewell, to be perfectly honest... I love him. I think he's an A-list actor. I think he's a top quality actor. Forgettable. This, this was not his best performance. No. And there were there were some scenes where I'm sitting there going like, really? Really? There was one scene where I can't remember exactly what was going on, but he like, you know, I think it was with him and Kiefer Sutherland. He's kind of like grabbing him by the coat and he's like, tell me about, I don't care. Tell me about such and such. And I'm just like, not a good performance. Actually, the irony is, I think the best performance, the one that actually like I literally fucking wrote down on the paper. Jennifer Connelly. Uh, Jennifer Connelly was great. She was fine. Uh, the guy who plays Eddie Walensky. Oh, yeah. The guy who plays the guy who's sort of like has gone crazy. The the guy who was investigating the serial killer. And then he ends up going crazy because he realizes uh, through his investigation that the city has no bounds. Like the city, the city is a circle. He sees and beyond the matrix. Yeah, yeah. He sees a little bit too far and it drives him fucking crazy. That guy who played him... His performance was fucking outstanding. Yeah. I thought, and he's a nobody. And he's a nobody. I, I don't. I have no idea who the guy he is, but he's he did a fucking incredible job. Whereas these A listers that I've seen knock it out of the park, Jennifer Connelly, William Hurt, just like, you know, uh, you know, Jennifer Connelly and William Hurt, I would say neutral. Yeah, Rufus Sewell and Kiefer Sutherland, I would say underperformed. Yeah, uh, and I hate to say it because I love them. 
writing I thought was a little subpar. I thought it was a little clunky. Yeah. Um, it definitely could have been better. And I think the special effects, like I said, the practical effects were good. But if I were estimating their contribution to the movie, I would say maybe 30%. 70% were CGI, and I thought, like, did not age well. Very dated, very, very clunky, just kind of poor in general. So overall, I, I, you know, this movie was a bit of a mixed bag for me. I think there were there were aspects of it that I really liked. There were aspects of it that I really just I, I kind of struggled with a little bit. Yeah, um, and, and and that's like I should say struggled with. Like I said, this is like my third time watching it. I think I enjoyed this movie the first time I watched it, which was probably in like fucking two thousand five when this movie was like seven years old, right? Like right. Watching it in twenty twenty two when this movie is you know fucking twenty four years old. <laughs> like, right. I think one. I, I didn't like the claustrophobia so much. I felt like it made it difficult to to understand what the message was. I mean, I want to give it the benefit of the doubt that, that this was intentional, like that you were meant to feel confused. No, I mean, I'll, I think I'll, I'll, I'll just say definitively that it was intentional. I mean, a lot of the camera angles yeah, were, no, you're were, right. it were was. disjointed. Because it was supposed to be showing a, a city that was changing and was fluid. literally like it was changing, but it was also like it was wrapped in on itself, right? Like no matter what direction you headed, you'd end up back in a place you've been before. Yeah, the yeah. city was a labyrinth and you were viewing that labyrinth through the eyes of a madman. <laughs> so like nothing really made sense. So I, I want to talk about the soundtrack. Okay. And... I say, I say okay like that because it was like, I, I, I saw it in the paper and I was like, do I, do I need to like even touch on this? So I want to talk about it. And the reason I want to talk about it is because, A, it was unremarkable for a lot of reasons. I mean, it was evocative when it needed to be, but it was also incredibly repetitive. But the reason that I want to touch on it is because of who directed the soundtrack for this movie. Is it Philip Glass or something like that? His name is Trevor Jones, and Trevor Jones did the soundtrack for three movies. Well, he, he did the soundtrack for a lot of movies, but three specific movies that have no connection to each other at all whatsoever, and that fascinates me. Number one, Dark City. Number two... Last of the Mohicans. Obviously. Obviously. And number three, Notting Hill. Yeah, no, I got that. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like he like he wasn't sought after for his prowess. He was just somebody they had on Yeah. On a roll. Wait, wait, saying on so is, is this land in something that you you disliked? Yes. Okay, okay. That that I, I thought for some for in inexplicable reason even though we were in dislikes, I thought you were tracking back to something that you did like. And it was like, I thought the the soundtrack was rather forgettable. Which, it was. Which is, which is like not a knock against it, but it's not, it's not a boon either, right? No. Like, it's, like if, if I forget a soundtrack or I don't even take note of it, it's done its job. I will not acknowledge it. Yeah. But I, I see your point. So I see your point. The man did Notting Hill, a romantic comedy... Starring with, Julia Roberts. With Julia Roberts. The man did Last of the Mohicans, and he did Dark City. Three movies that have absolutely no connection to each other at all whatsoever, other than the fact that they were all involving this man. Yeah. Last of the Mohicans is pretty fucking baller. He's no John Williams. But who is, right? Uh, well, yeah. John Williams. 
John Williams is. That's true. He, you know, he got he's got me there. So John Williams is John Williams. Given the woman that I'm married to, <laughs> my wife has a superpower. Every time we watch a movie, she can tell me who who directed the score or the soundtrack without looking it up. It's, That's creepy. It's it's borderline superpower. That is a superpower. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. I don't know it's how you would apply that to say like defeat the Joker, but right, it's a superpower. But no within doubt. within ten minutes, every time we watch a movie, she goes, "Oh, I know who I know who this is," and she'll tell me, and I'll look it up, and she's right like a hundred percent of the time. Welcome to my life. Yeah. <laughs> so hang on. No, we've, been, we've been welcomed to Mark. No, Mark's I'm just saying, life. like, people will always throw out details that I can't understand how. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Follow I thought, I thought Mark every day had, had yet, yeah. an, I thought Mark had yet another individual so, who was casually nailing who created the soundtrack or score for a particular Well, it film. is his sister, so. Fair enough. It is. It, it. yeah. My sister. Yeah. Let's not be too fine a point well. on it. <laughs> <laughs> Should we cut that? Cut that? Cut that? Cut that? Cut that? Cut that? <laughs> she's not gonna Jason gonna get in trouble. She doesn't she's, listen to the she's podcast. Gonna, she's gonna get in trouble. Okay, that's fine. Hi, Alyssa. That's fine. That's fine. Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. Uh, so I think we're we're are we ready to quote? Good out of what we liked and what we didn't like. I am. Yeah. yeah. Quotes. Um. Yeah. I'll jump in. I'll jump in. Um. Mark's gonna jump in. Jump right in, eh? Oh, he's jumping. Yeah. Oh God, he, he fucking jumped in Australia. Just it's not on. good. It's not good. Jackson, <laughs> panic, 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 panic. Mark. Uh. He so, jumped into Cosby. I don't know what he jumped into, but it wasn't good. Man, I forget who, and I'm sure you know. You guys will be able to to tell me. But one quote that really jumped out at me. One of the characters says, "Uh." I feel like I'm living out someone else's nightmare. And it's said early on in the movie, and it's almost like a throwaway line or, you know, it's meant to, like, just kind of underscore how weird and, and messed up what that character's going through in the moment. But upon reflection, maybe you are living out someone else's nightmare. You know, they're they're swapping memories. They're they're mixing and matching. And, like, there's no sense of, like, true identity. So you, you really are living out someone else's nightmare. That. That quote, that, quote was from, that quote was from Eddie Walensky, the madman, the detective that went insane for breaking the Matrix. Yeah. Don't break the Matrix. No. Nope. Um, yeah, I think, I'll, I think I'll, just, I'll just leave it there. Fair enough. Um, what else? Uh, I also have a single quote. So I, I would like to mention that this movie is not the most quotable movie in cinematic history. Um, as a person who loves quotes and a person who could carry on and has carried on many conversations exclusively through movie quotes. This is not the sort of like deep pool I'm looking for to sort of draw my cinematic interactions with. Mine was also from Eddie Walensky. And he says, there's no way out. I've been over every inch of this city. And I thought that was, that was sort of poignant for his character and illustration of the city as a trap, as a labyrinth, as a maze, as a, you know, a dungeon prior to the revelation that it's quite literally a fucking floating dungeon in space. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Floating space dungeon. There's a fucking band name. Ooh, floating yeah. space dungeon. Wait, floating space dungeon or just space dungeon? Space dungeon. Just I space mean, dungeon. I would, yeah. Space dungeon. Just space dungeon. Space dungeon. Uh, you got uh, you got a quote over there. So I have three quotes, and I I will say 
Again, not the most quotable movie, so I really had to fight for these. So yeah, they're not you, the best. You really do. You kind of have to. Um, look so for them. the the first quote I have is from early on in the movie, like really the first scene where we meet our protagonist. He 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 stumbles out of his bathroom where he's waking up in the bathtub, discovers that there's a dead hooker in his hotel room, gets dressed, and you know makes haste. He's leaving and the bellhop or the, the concierge wakes up and, you know, calls attention to him. And he's like, hey, you left your wallet at the automat, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's like, hey, you owe me three weeks of back pay. And they go to this conversation where he's like, hey, you know, how has it been three weeks? And he says, look, we make our books like we make our beds, all neat and tidy like. All right. <laughs> I might use that in my... Mm-hmm sort of everyday life yeah um my my second quote is from inspector bromstead played by william hurt upon walking into walensky's office and taking over the investigation and seeing all of the drawings and posters and pictures and notes just plastered over every inch of the wall of the office and he goes i'm being punished for my sins right mm-hmm <laughs> And my last quote is the very last line that is said to the strangers from Murdoch. At the very end of the movie, they've been inserting and implanting memories through the forehead of these people by injecting a needle, a syringe, in right above the nose. And he points to that spot and says, You wanted to know what it was to be human? Well, you're not going to find it here. You went looking in the wrong place. For those of you listening at home, Jackson, when he said here, pointed to his head. And um, the suggestion was that he should have been looking at the heart, which scientists also refer to as the love muscle, Mm -hmm. which uh, is where emotions are stored. Also cholesterol that's stored there as well. Yes. Um, and, And plaque. Yeah. Uh, Watch your eggs. Yes. I thought love originated love in the eggs. kneecap. Ah, same. Will I die of a coronary? Sure. But will deviled eggs be on my breath? Yes. Would you like to eat six boiled eggs? No, thank you. Well, what if I cut them in half, fill them with mustard, and mayonnaise, and, and mayonnaise, covered in paprika, and cover it in paprika? Oh, well, bet, then. Bet let your me ass I would. Ch- yeah. Bet your ass I would. We've all been there. <laughs> uh. Can we rate this? Are we are we Luridern? I'm Luridern. Mark Luridern. Yep. Whoa, Mark went fucking. That's how she pronounces it. He went full Rodic on us. Yeah, that's how she pronounces it. I'm gonna jump right in here. Oh fuck, he's coming. I'm gonna tear it right off. Oh, he's coming at us. Okay. Oh god. And I'm gonna give this bad boy. Cover your ass. A seven point three. Whoa, whoa. Chattering teeth. Oh, my God. Oh, nice. Okay, 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 um, And that's that's mainly due to the creativity. Okay, fair. Um, in that I have not seen another movie like this. Fair enough. So that alone, you know, merits uh, a little little bump up. Good call. Jorkson? I will give this movie a six. Point one trench coated Cenobites. Ooh, that's a fancy Hellraiser. Yeah. Also, for the fact that I've never seen a movie of this ilk, and probably never will again for many reasons. What you got there, Colin? What do you think I'm fucking trying to figure out? 
uh, your metric. My metric. That's exactly yeah, right. I yeah. know your number. No, like, you know my. You, no, I've got my number fucking yep. down. I'm looking for my fucking metric. Yep, it's exactly right. It's a hard one to pin down. It is. It is. One might um, call it a pinhead. Oh, oh. she's my. You know, you know what? I think I think I'm gonna go actually pretty chill on this one. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm gonna give this movie a five point seven. All right. Shell beaches. Oh. All right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not mixing. I'm not mincing words. I'd go to so, Shell Beach if it exists. I would go Shell to Shell Beach. Beach. Shell Beach. I bet you could get a shell there. Probably. I mean, if I were a betting man, like a conch shell. Yeah. Maybe too. Uh. All right. Well, that is all for the all crap review. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. If you have any ideas for movie reviews, please email us at three. That is the number three. Men and a basement at gmail.com. Um, please be sure to check out Space Dungeon, which is opening for Dr. Pig. They are, I think, on first stage. Second stage is Lone Boob. Yes. But they're only. They're, they're by themselves, though. They don't have anybody opening no. for them. Oh, God, they have no opener. No, it's just, it's all them. All by themselves. Yeah. Um. Could call it a ma'am. Ma'am. We had two different directions on that, and I appreciate that. And they were both boobs. They were both boob-related. All right, so uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And until then, I am Colin McLeod. America! Action Jackson. And we will uh, see you in cyberspace. Chicken Wow. Pretty good. Pretty good.